Blog Talk Radio. Possibly new thought, possibly um, had something to do with it. Um, 
it was a um, reaction to the uh, authoritarian church more than anything, I think. But um, new thought is the idea that inter- interior uh, interstates are manifested externally. You know, what you think about the most often, you know, what you think about most of the time is going to happen around you. Um, and um, I know there are people that think, well, how can thought manifest in reality? Well, everything you see around you is a product of somebody's thinking, everything. And um, that's how, that's how. We're the Crystal Silence League. You can go find us at www.crystalsilenceleague.org, which started as the idea of a man named Claude Alexander Conlon back in uh, 1917 or so with the idea of projecting positive thought and affirmation for those in need. And when he passed into the silence around 1954, he took the league with him until about 2007 or so when adepts of missionary independent spiritual church brought it back to life on the internet. And now the missionary independent spiritual church is part of a bigger organization called the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches. We are a group of, uh, we call ourselves the Small Church Ministry. Most of our churches are uh, no bigger than um, six feet by six feet. My church is eight feet by 10 feet. The bigger building is um, 10 feet by 12 feet, but it's divided into sections. And, uh, the working area is uh, uh, eight by ten. The working area is eight by ten, with a small room in the back for storage, with two smaller chapels that are eight feet by eight feet. So I actually have one of the bigger small church um, ministries in our uh, group. They may kick me out because I have more square footage than our charter allows. Maybe I don't know. They'll say, John, your church is too big to be a small church. Uh, You're a medium church. You're a medium church. So I don't know. Uh, If you go over to uh, crystalsilenceleague.org, you'll find that you can post prayers there. And we have a gift shop. You can buy stuff. If you buy something from us, you get a year's membership. And you buy enough stuff from us, you'll get a free book, which right now is uh, Secrets of the Crystal Silence League, which is an edited compilation of writings of our founder, Mr. Claude Alexander Conlon, which is very cool. Yes. So what we usually like to do, we take things in order here. If I get out of order, I just fall completely off the tightrope that I walk on when I do this show. And uh, we'll talk about our crystal of the week, which is starlight. And uh, man, I don't know if you've seen these things, but um uh, uh, nature throws some stuff at us. Uh, nature, nature, just this world throws some stuff at us. We saw um, the stones that had natural crucifixes uh, in their matrix, a design in their matrix, but these things actually are crucifixes. These crystals grow at right angles to each other. The crystal, they, they naturally form a cross inside the stone. So they're called uh, fairy crosses. And uh, when people found these, they thought that, uh, you know, the fairies, the little people, uh, made these, carved them out of stone. And if you uh, look at our pictures or just look at pictures of them, um, you'll find that these are uh, brownish, grayish, bluish 
crosses of uh, rectangular crystals that intersect at right angles, forming crosses. And uh, they're all different sizes. And uh, you know, imagine just walking in a field or something and you see these perfectly formed crosses in stone. Your only assumption could be that somebody made them. And someone did, of course. You know, nature did. So these are starlights. And there's a place in Kentucky here where they grow naturally and in a park. And you go there and you can buy these fairy stones. And uh, these are believed to bring you luck and protection and blessings. And um, it's also believed that in some uh, spiritual work, they can help you uh, connect with people from another world, from the invisible world. And, uh, you know, such as fairies and uh, uh, spirit, spiritual beings of that sort. Um, they are, they are very calming. I mean, you just look at the thing and you say, what a wonderful thing. Just looking at it, you just, you know, you just think, oh my goodness, what a wonderful thing. Just holding this thing. You just think how, <coughs> how wonderful it is. <coughs> Don't worry. That's not COVID-19. It's hay fever. Um, what a wonderful thing this is. And, uh, they're cool and they're calming and they're soothing. Uh, they're uh, being these heavy gray, grayish stones that ground you naturally. You know, they they hit you in the root chakra. They ground you. And uh, <coughs> oh my goodness! And uh, they uh, help relieve uh, the stress and anxiety you might have gathered during the day. And uh, some of the energy workers that I was speaking to about this. Uh, said they found it useful to help you break bad habits. Well, a lot of the root chakra stuff does. Uh, they say it's good to break bad habits. Uh, uh, you know, if you do compulsive eating uh, uh, to help you uh, uh, break that nervous eating, the stress eating, uh, they can help you um, stop smoking or, uh, you know, chewing tobacco um, uh, you know, things like that. I haven't tried it for that. I have not, but uh, I will. I'll, I'll test that out. If I, if I ever get a chance to work with people again, you know, to do hands-on healing, if I ever get the chance to do that again, um, I'll, I'll try that and let you know. Uh, if you do an elixir, these are very hard. They have a, a mo hardness of 7.5. That's pretty hard. Uh, you could do a, a direct infusion. Um, I don't do that anymore. I usually put my stones in a container. I've used a baby food jar, for instance, and immerse those in the water and um, do it that way. Or you can put them in a wine bottle, uh, put the water in a wine bottle and set the wine bottle over the stone um, and do it that way. Uh, let the uh, vibration of the stone affect, put a few drops of brandy in the uh, water so it doesn't uh, grow algae and uh, use it for your magical purposes. Uh, that's starlight, um, one of our most unusual stones uh i've worked with if we go to uh www.crystalsilenceleague.org and you go over to the prayer page uh, you know once again um during our pandemic crisis we're getting a lot of um 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 
prayers. Uh, we usually get between 100 and 200 a week. I believe we may be getting more now. So um, I, I wouldn't be surprised. The uh, um, If I refresh the page, and I do, I get at least at least 10 more every time I refresh the page. So we're getting quite a few. Um, I never call out people's names when I read these prayers. If you consider that I read anywhere between 10 and 15 prayers a night, and this is the uh, 202nd show, um, I've read over 2,000, well over 2,000 prayers, um, possibly 3,000, I guess 3,000 prayers out loud on this show. Is that right? I need to get my slide rule out and calculate close to that. <clears throat> so let's start. We'll start with prayer ID number 92353, who says, Please, Lord, hear me in my prayer. Please bring my dear S back to me for a loving relationship. May he realize his love for me and not be able to be without me ever. May he miss me, miss S all the time. May he reach out to me to confess his love for me soon. Amen. And prayer ID 92351, who gives us a reading from Revelation 21, verse 8. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask you to cause the wicked to die and to die again. For wicked are they that rise up against us. The Lord be against them. The Lord is our defense. Let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end. May the wicked die and die again. Amen. Prayer ID 92350. Father God, I'm asking you to shield my family from this deadly virus. In the name of Jesus, from the things we can see and the things we can't see. The Henderson Fane, right? Layers, Yorks, my whole family. Well, I don't I guess I shouldn't have done that. My whole family, Lord, in the name of Jesus, thank you and amen. <clears throat> Prayer ID 92349. Who also prays, please, the COVID 19 will end as soon as possible. Also, please pray that I will keep my jobs and that I will find full time summer employment. Amen. Prayer ID 92344. Who says, Father God, I'm coming to you asking you to heal my abscess. Lord, I'm asking that you bless me where the abscess do not spread throughout my body. Lord, I ask you to touch all medical staff that's treating me to not have coronavirus. Lord, I'm asking for a fast recovery in the name of Jesus. Thank you for healing me and protecting me. Amen. Oh, my goodness. Prayer ID 92343. My sister tested positive for the coronavirus. Father God, I ask that you bless I and W and G, W and C, M to not have the virus. Lord, I ask you to heal all of them without deadly complications. Lord, bless them all with a fast and full recovery in the name of Jesus. Thank you for healing them in the name of Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> and prayer ID 92341. 
who prays, R is full of energy and vitality. R has full optimum health. R has energy and abundance. R loses weight easily, readily, naturally, and beautifully. Positive changes sticks with R always. Her energy is always flowing. Her health is improving. Her muscles are toned and strong. Her body is capable, agile, and flexible. R achieves her body goals quickly and easily. She maintains her achievement always. Her success is assured. R achieves her ideal body aesthetic. Amen. And prayer ID 92340. Remove all negative cords and ties I have with the visible and invisible. Cut all cords of negativity going to me and from me. Attached to any person, place, thing, or event that no longer serves a positive purpose in my life and heal any wounds left behind with love. And here we have prayer ID 9, 2, 3, 3, and 6, who says, Let us be blessed and protected by good spirits and ancestors. Love and thank you, Saints Anthony, Expedi, Jude, Michael, Saints Martin de Porres, and Francis of Assisi. Amen. And prayer ID 92335. Please pray for my husband's mother to fall seriously ill, mentally and physically. Whoa! So she can no longer wreak trouble in my marriage and manipulate my husbands and kids. I pray that she will fall so ill that she will no longer have the energy to bully me. She's a narcissist and a manipulator. Please pray for the situation to turn out bad for them, that I and my young kids no longer have to visit their house anymore. Amen. Prayer ID 92334. Dear God, higher power, universe, and angels, give the SARF to me in 2020 and finish my research in D.C., I pray for protection during the recession and continue to rise. Amen. Well, let's go and have a moment of silent meditation and prayer for all in need of such. God help us from this coronavirus. Let's have a moment. Amen. 
Do y'all ever work with the seals of Solomon? You know, the second pentacle of Mars. It protects against diseases of all kind. Um, I carry that with me at all times. And uh, it occurred to me you could um, draw that on the inside of your mask that you wear when you go out. Every little bit helps. Not a bad idea. Every little bit helps. That's the second pentacle of Mars. Is that the right one? Yeah, yeah. Second pentacle of Mars. I want to put that on every wall and window in my house. They'll break into my house when I when I go to my when I shuffle off this coil, and they'll say, "This guy's like Howard Hughes or something." What's all this stuff on his walls? Good God. In New Thought, uh, when Phineas Quimby um, pioneered New Thought, uh, he, he talked about this thing called the mind cure. He, he said if, uh, everything is caused by bad thinking. He said if you correct the thinking, you correct the condition. And uh, he and his uh, advocates, his little crew, his uh, uh, his homies, they uh, documented lots and lots of cases where People were uh, uh, messed up in many ways, even physically sick, and they talked them out of it. They just talked to them until they uh, corrected the thinking, and uh, by correcting the thinking, they corrected the condition. And uh, Quimby was a mesmerist, a physician, a philosopher, uh, a religious man, and he uh, was a person who's bigger than life. And I always think about that term, bigger than life. And is it possible to be bigger than life? Yes. Yes. We we see people that are bigger than life and how um, nothing stands in their way. And uh, Napoleon Hill was a man like this. And I think it's funny that there are people who try to rise above the common by uh, criticizing people like Napoleon Hill. Uh, Osho did. Osho told some story that wasn't even true about Napoleon Hill paying people to – take his book, uh, Think and Grow Rich. And uh, uh, it wasn't even true. And, of course, I was uh, deported for trying to mass murder people. <clears throat> and uh, so his credibility is very bad. But um, Napoleon Hill made and lost several fortunes. And uh, because for him it wasn't about the money, um, uh, he would uh, – make a lot of money and then invest it and lose it and then make some more and invest it and lose it. And a lot of people, a lot of people use that as a criticism with an Yeah, but he, he loses money. He'd go out and lose his money. And, uh, they, uh, people who say that don't understand. I think that for him, money was a means to an end. It wasn't <clears throat> about the money. It's the same people who say about bi- these billion dollar industries that, um, say that they'll, uh, because they had to shut down, they'll go bankrupt in a few months. Well, where's their money? Where's their money? You know, it's in someone's pocket. They don't understand how industries work. They don't have those billions of dollars sitting in a bank vault somewhere like Scrooge McDuck. That's not how billion-dollar industries work. That money is tied up in the business. 
they, they these are people who don't have money themselves. They don't know how money works. They, they don't have, as my grandma would say, a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of. And that's why, because they think if a business is worth a billion dollars, that means that they have a billion dollars sitting in a bank vault at home somewhere. That money is tied up in running the business or in assets. It doesn't mean that they have, you know, they can write you a check for a billion dollars out of their bank account. So um, the reason I'm pointing this out is because the world works a certain way. And um, the world is filled with a lot of um, negativity, a lot of hate. And we can't cast it out. We can't avoid it. And uh, we're not going to be able to unless we're doing what we're doing now, which is self-isolate. And this is not realistic. It's not going to go on forever. And I'm going to tell you that <clears throat> there is one way <clears throat> to avoid negativity, one way to uh, keep away from it. And it's not by um, isolating from people. It's love. Love casts out hate. Hate and love can't dwell together. You can't put hate and love in the same vessel. Uh, perfect love casts out hate. Perfect love casts out fear. Hate is the very arms of God. Hate is fear. Exactly the same thing as fear. Hate is aversion. Fear is aversion. And uh, <clears throat> I will tell you that hate and fear are the same thing. Love is freedom. If hate is fear, love is freedom. And if you, if we truly love somebody, remember the old hippie thing? If you love somebody, let them go. You know, if they were yours, they'll come back. If they weren't yours, they won't. So something like that. If we really love our children, we won't try to control them. We'll let them be the person they're meant to be. We won't say, well, I want you to grow up, be a doctor, a lawyer, uh, uh, be proud of you. Uh, you know, oh, my God, what will the neighbors say if you become a penniless hippie artist? You know, uh, uh, you know, you know what I told my son? Um, and I don't know if this makes me a good parent or a bad parent, but I said, you know, I don't care if you go to school, uh, go to college. I don't care if you make anything of yourself. Uh, <clears throat> I'll support you if necessary if you can't make a living, but you have to find something to contribute to the world. You know, the world's got to be a better place because you're in it. You can't take from the world and not give. You have to be a better – the world's got to be a better place because you're in it. And uh, I, I, said, I, don't, I don't care about you, you know, being what they call a success, you know, being rich, famous, uh, um, uh that doesn't matter to me. I'm not going to say you got to go to college or anything, you know, just, but you have to contribute something. I don't care if you can't make a living or not. It doesn't matter to me, but you have to contribute. And, uh, so, uh, <clears throat> I don't know if that makes me a good parent or a bad parent. I don't know, but I, I wasn't going to say by God, go to school and make something of yourself because that kind of pressure, I've seen it ruin people and I wasn't going to do that. So to love your son, to love your daughter, uh, you have to let him go. And uh, because we are not the father and mothers of our children. God is the father and goddess is the mother. God is the father. Earth is the mother. God is the father. God is the mother. You know, there's no way to really put it, I guess, to make sense. You know, God is genderless, but 
God is all around and uh, God is all around and God is everywhere and uh, God will provide. We know this. Um, so if love is in the arms of God, then we understand that everything's going to be provided. Um, so if we can let go and understand what harmony is, the divine harmony, then we know that all things are going to happen. So to love is to release. What I love, I release. What I hate, I bind and control. And this is a law. This is one of the laws. What I love, I release. What I hate, I bind and control. And um, look at nature. Look at the mother bird in the nest. The mother feeds and protects the, the baby bird until it's time to let them go. Then she kicks them out of the nest. And then they learn to fly. Parents have to teach their children the truth of life. That there is a law to the universe, and that law is internal states manifest externally. That there's a science to life. Now, we must not learn to sacrifice ourselves for everybody else. Um, you ever hear parents say, "I gave I gave everything to my kids." I, I did everything for them. I sacrificed myself for my kids, and this is what I get. Final stanza there. I sacrificed, um, and uh, um, that final answer there, this is what I get. Um, is is shows you the true motive, right? I expect something from this. So this is why it says... Uh, uh, when uh, Jesus, and there's, uh, I can give you other examples too, like Buddha, et cetera. Jesus said, leave father, mother, brother, and sister and follow me. But the me is the truth. Jesus wasn't talking about him, himself as a man. He said, follow the truth because truth is the way and the life and the quest and the goal. Truth brings good tidings to the meek. It binds the brokenhearted and it proclaims liberty to the captives. Mothers and fathers must never worry about their children. This is a mood of fear. It's a uh, attitude of lack. It's uh, an attitude of limitations. And if the children don't know the laws of life, they're going to get the vibration or feeling of the parents, and it drags them down. So the blind will lead the blind, and they both fall into the ditch. <laughs> so... Um, um, so this means if parents live the truth, they'll see their children as noble and dignified and strong. And the manifestation of Christ himself, who rose, uh, rose the dead into life and uh, uh, you know, um, walked on the ocean. So they'll have the conviction that their children are growing righteously. And according to the conviction that all will be well. Their children will never beg for bread and they'll never do anything to dishonor themselves or their parents. They'll grow in the image and likeness of whatever mood or conviction held by the parents. 
and the parents will clothe them in the power of the divine mind and the aura of of uh, whatever uh, goodness that the parents live will ennoble them and enshroud them and encompass them. They'll feed them with bread of the divine mind. So surely they can only reflect love. And it says in the scriptures, what thou seest, that too become thou must. God, if thou seest God, dust, if thou seest dust. Having seen and felt love for their children, the parents must reflect it by an inexorable and changeless law, which is this. And this is one of the universal laws. Seek it, and you will find it. And I was reading in one of my uh, new thought books, and I can't, I, maybe it was Napoleon Hill, I can't remember, but uh, there was a man who told his little girl, uh, or he didn't tell his little girl, he told, he was in church, and uh, there was a funeral. Uh, the little girl's father had passed away. <clears throat> and of course, she was sad. And this man told the little girl uh, that her father, you know, he had passed away. And he told the little girl that uh, he had gone on a trip and that she would see him again in the future. And there were some other people who were of a atheist or rationalist mind criticized him for lying to her, said, you shouldn't tell her lies like that. But you see, did the man lie? No, he did not lie. He did the kind thing and he made the girl happy and he gave her solace. Also, what he said was true. You know, as spiritualists would, would know, the father had made a journey in consciousness into the fourth or fifth dimension. And through love, the child will again see him and talk with him. And they'll both play, as it's been said, in the symphony of all creation. Because charity of that nature, if you're a kind person, you'll suffer long and you'll be kind. Love endures forever. Love is indissoluble. Nothing breaks it or severs it because love is an attribute of the divine. Where love is, God is. And love is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's not changeable, nor is it variable. Love is. And all there is is love. And when we do the kind thing, it's always love in action. And the kind thing is, I'm, I'm tempted to say always, but I'm going to temper that. When, if you do the kind thing, it almost always is the right thing to do. I'm sure that somebody could tell me uh, an exemption to that. So let's ask ourselves, what is the kind thing to say or do? And that will be the truth. And charity doesn't have envy. Charity's not envy. The man who knows the laws of life never envies another. Nor is he jealous because he knows that he can go to the same infinite fountain where all blessings flow as anybody who is the luckiest person in the world and claim all the good that he wants. And if he believes it, and if he has faith, anything that anybody else has that this man could envy will be given to him in equal measure. And a man who understands this can't be jealous and he can't be envious. He knows that the divine mind, he knows that God, he knows that the universe is impersonal and no respecter of persons regardless of their station in life. Because it says in every scripture in the world, 
every holy book in the world, come to the water and drink. Yea, come ye, buy wine and milk. Without money, without price. The only price you pay is belief. Faith doesn't cost you anything. Therefore, the qualities of mind in the other that you might envy, uh, his wealth, his wife, his home, uh, his station in life, uh, nothing there is to be coveted because you can have the same thing. You can have it or all of this by going to the same source that this guy got them from and, and get them. Now, we're assuming this guy didn't get these things through uh, crime or through ill means because you don't want to follow in that path. Command is to simply to appropriate the mood, the mindset of possessing that which you desire, and then enter the silence. You rest in the silence, and you know that what you prayed for is a fact in the kingdom of reality. And you walk the earth in the light of this assumption, and in the moment you think, not in the silence, it will appear as a quality of mind, and it will appear as an object in space, as a home, a wife, a husband, or whatever. <clears throat> and the sophisticated man, lacking knowledge of truth, will parade before himself that he is what he does not wish to be. Paradoxically, right? He's proud, opinionated, and arrogant. If he does a thing with an unworthy motive, he claims it's a good one because it would shame him to recognize how bad the motive is. And this is what Buddha called the delusions, the three delusions. We see beauty in the unbeautiful. We see permanence in the impermanence. And we see honor in the dishonorable. We expose these spurious motives to ourselves and get rid of our false pride so that we be proud of the one thing that really matters our relationship with spirit whatever you however you see spirit god yahweh the divine mind the presence the only power that matters the power of spirit we have to get rid of the sense of our own importance our own pride of social distinction, class, rank, family tree. We get rid of ourselves of this false intellectual pride. The great man is always the humble man. The greatest doctor is usually the one who's gentle, kind, loving, and understanding. And the really great mystic is the humble man, knowing that all wisdom, power, and intelligence comes from the one, the father of all. So when he says our father, he means it. He knows we have a common father and that we're all brothers and sisters. He also knows we're all descended from the royal family, that we have the greatest family tree in the world, that which is called and that which identified itself, the great I am. So yet the tree of life in the middle of the Garden of Eden was the one individual tree and the one from all the members of the family that of human eat, live, and have their being rooted in this eternal tree, fed by the sap that comes from the wisdom of the Father. And that tree appears not only in the Christian and Jewish religions, but in all religions. It was the Yggdrasil, the tree of knowledge, 
It was the Bodhi tree that Buddha sat under. It's the Christmas tree that the children gather under to feast from the gifts that falls from its branches. And this meal we eat is not bread, it's not water, but it's the realization of the almighty power of spirit. It's the manna that falls from heaven. It's the divine ideas that flow through us, the gift of creativity that we were given when we were made in the image of God. We know that law that runs throughout the universe, that governs the universe, serves us as it serves God himself. And we're always sitting at the banquet table of God, and the feast is always prepared. Let's go for station identification while I drink a little water. Preaching is hard work. is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix LaFay, Fridays, 1 to 2. And Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 7 to 8. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And we're back. My goodness gracious. We are certainly. Uh, Gosh, it's going fast tonight. We have, what, 15 minutes left? Am I going to be able to get all this in? Hmm. I will do what I can. I will do what I can. To a person living in the consciousness of love, he who acts, he or she who acts in the consciousness of love, well, usually, almost always, uh, Act and do that which conforms to the good of all. Um, he'll he'll conform and contribute to the betterment of society, and will not do anything that will disturb the harmony of the whole. His behavior is always kind. The man is gentlemanly. The woman is courteous. And his presence is soothing and comforting and conductive to peace. And wherever such a person goes, he will always meet the brother and the sister, regardless of race, creed, or color. He loves people. He realizes God dwells in every person. And so he is one with all, regardless of the color of the skin, regardless of the belief, regardless of where they're from. If a man returns love to one that loves him, that's not enough, though. He has to cease to be possessive in his love and let it become universal so that his love for all men becomes all-inclusive. There's a an interesting um, teaching in Buddhism about compassion, and that is if your compassion is selective, it's not compassion at all. It's, it's a... Uh, it's sentimentality. Buddhism, compassion is the universal desire for all beings to be free of suffering. 
not just the beings that you like, you know, not just your favorite beings, but all beings, the ones you like, the ones you might not like, the ones that might wish you harm, all beings. And it's easy to love the lovable. It's not so easy to love the hateful. And compassion is not useful unless it's universal. And love is not useful unless it's universal. And while it's not easy to love someone who burns down a church, as Martin Luther King said, though, you don't have to like them, but you got to love them. That's the commandment. Love is freedom, but love is also respect. If you truly love your wife, if you truly love your husband, you'll trust him or her, and you'll have perfect faith in their honesty and integrity. You won't question him or her, and you won't make a scene. You behave. You remain poised and calm. And if you're married, you understand the meaning of that vow that whom God has joined asunder, no man joined together, no man may put asunder, which means that the marriage is a spiritual union made in heaven, and therefore no man or woman or power can come between you. This knowing and understanding is immediately felt by the wife or the husband, and he or she will respond in kind. No little thing can break you up. In my in my seat, I hear lots of unseemly stories about couples um, who are willing to break up over um, indiscretions and uh, <clears throat> um, uh, a story. For instance, uh, there was a woman. She was married, had two kids, and a devoted husband, and uh, they never fought. They seemed to get along, and one day. Uh, uh, this woman's coworker said that she had seen the husband with a strange, with a, another woman, right? You know that other bitch, right? In a restaurant uh, and in a bar, and said, "Okay, he's running around." So the wife got so excited and upset that she left the home uh, and left a note with one of the teenage sons to give it to the father when he came home and uh, and she in the note she said she wanted a divorce now this is based on something one of her co-workers told her so um, she had nothing to say to the husband whatsoever nothing to say to him um, then um, she wouldn't even talk to him so then it turned out that the woman that he was having um, uh, lunch with bar, you know, it was like a restaurant bar, was was a sister. And then because she wouldn't listen to him, he was not open to reconciliation. So then she calls me and says, well, what can I do to make this good? And I said, well, to make it good, you should have listened to him to begin with. And why were you listening to your coworker and said over your husband? There was no trust here. And the question I want to put to you, those of you listening to this, is can there be love where there's no trust? And I worked very hard with this couple. Uh, 
I couldn't work with him. It makes it a lot harder when you can't. But um, I did a lot of spiritual work to try to get some reconciliation going. And reconciliation is the hardest work we do. It's got the lowest chance of success. And the last I heard, they were talking. So maybe they got back together. Um, But he wasn't talking to her. She wasn't talking to him. And neither one of them understood the laws of life and the laws of love. And that was internal states manifest externally. What she feared the most came to pass. She was afraid that he was going to leave her for another woman. So she drove him away. Her conviction about him being untrustworthy communicated itself to him through the etheric waves. The universe carried that message to him, and he felt it. And by the time he started talking to her, and this was months later, she wanted a divorce. He took her word for it, and he apparently met up with another woman. What she feared worse came to pass. And if she did not manifest that, I'm not sitting here talking to you. So this uh, breakup in marriages, um, that is a true pandemic. It is a true pandemic. And it's because people do not understand the law. And that is what you send out will truly come back to roost on your doorstep. Love creates and gives birth to all forms of things. Uh, when uh, two forces, such as hydrogen and oxygen, meet, you form water. It's a great union. It's a wonderful thing. Love, likewise, is a union. It's an emotional attachment. Love's the cement that binds. You become one with our ideal by loving it, then we'll give birth to the new person. And this doesn't have to be people. Nothing is more beautiful than when a man or a woman finds their place in the universe. Heaven and earth will get behind them. When you find your true purpose, all of nature rejoices. When we pray, we got to have love in our hearts because we have to accept as true everything our senses deny. That's real love also. You have to deny the evidence of your senses. The universe runs on entropy. You know that the universe is running down. It goes from order to chaos. But the human spirit strives for order. We go against the evidence of our senses. We see the universe decaying around us, and yet our spirit rises to order. And that's love. Love looks for order and chaos. Love is the fulfilling of the law, and when we're so convinced of this truth that we affirm, there's no room for chaos. There's no room for entropy. There's no room for that opposite. The man with love in his heart bears the burdens of the world on his shoulders because he knows that wisdom rules the world and that this infinite providence, this God we have within us, can bear that and will guide it on its course. The man of understanding, the man of wisdom, the man of power knows that all men, all humanity, beggar, thief, holy man, shall at their appointed time come to see what beautiful and transcendent glory 
each of us has within us. There's no such thing as a lost person. No one is lost. There's no such thing as a lost soul. We are all God. We are all manifestations of God. And God cannot lose himself. Neither can he destroy himself. It says in Isaiah 11, verse 9, They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. Hope springs eternal, it is said. But this hope is an abiding faith, an omnipresent and ultimate good. So the mental scientist endures all things in this sense, that nothing can be destroyed. He knows that whatever problem presents itself to him, that there's an answer. I mean, that answer is within us because God is within us. He therefore casts his burdens on this interior Christ, this Christ power, this creation power, which means the truth that he does not take the problem to God because infinite intelligence has no problems. He goes to God with the answer. We do not go to God with problems. We go to God with answer. And remember, when I say God, I speak as Christ did. When Christ said, when I say God, I say me. And does that scare you? Because remember what Christ said, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can do what I did. Infinite intelligence has no problem. Behold, God flows through his problem, and there is no problem. The sincere truth student is not weighed down by problems and vexations of the day. He refuses to bear these burdens. He knows there's a way out, and his joy is in overcoming these problems. We do not see problems as a burden. We see the answers as the joyous solution. He knows that the so-called trials which beset him are his opportunities to discover the God power within. And within spirit, oh, there's power. There's power in spirit. He tastes God and he finds him good. He's become acquainted with the one true power. Therefore, he walks along the highway of life smiling, a song in his heart. And that song is victory. If the crossword puzzle was all figured out for a man and he were asked just to fill in the blank spaces, life would be very dull. No, the thrill of accomplishment comes in working out the problem. The engineer rejoices in building a bridge where others have failed, and there's great satisfaction in overcoming this puzzle that we call life. And we're here. We're, put, we're here on this planet. Our very existence is here to prove and to celebrate our divinity. So we endure these things, and we experience these things gladly, knowing that he who perseveres to the end has won the game. This means that man, instead of attacking and fighting his problems, simply lets go and becomes still, enters the silence, and says to the father, to the God, to the mother within, Now, Father, this is what I want. The right answer is mine now. Infinite intelligence has revealed it to me now. Thank you. Thank you, Father, for my life. Thank you, Father, for the answer. If a man will say this silently or audibly to himself, because really prayer is basically man talking to his higher self and say it knowingly and feelingly, the answer will come and bring peace with it. 
I can tell you a turning point in my life. I was I was jammed up. I was as jammed up as a log jam in Michigan. I was a young man, thought I had all the answers, found out I didn't, jammed up. And I sit down in a chair. I, I just sit down in a chair. I'd quit a job, and I'd just sit in a chair. And I said, I'm going to sit here until you give me an answer. I don't know who I was talking to. Of course, I know now I was talking to my higher self. And I said, I will not get out of this chair until I have answers. And, of course, what I can tell you is that it's not about answers. You have to ask the right questions, right? And I finally asked the right question. I'm not getting out of this chair until you give me the answers. And I sat in that chair easily for two days. I didn't move. And when I got up, I knew. I knew what I had to do. And it did come to me. And basically, nothing came to me. I got out of my own way. Uh, the answers were there. My higher self had the answers. But my lower self was standing in the way. It was it was a wonderful experience. I, re, I remember it very clearly. And uh, uh, it took a couple of months to integrate what was happening. And uh, I set myself free. I turned myself loose. I stopped becoming things. I stopped becoming anything. I let myself go. I turned myself free. And I'll tell you that when you discover the law, the law of life, you can use it in two ways. You can use it constructively or you can use it de destructively. And if you use it destructively, it will surely tear you down. But you can use it constructively and you can be as a God on earth. Time to go. We'll uh, come back next week and pick up where we left off. Goodness gracious, it's good to, good to be here with you and I love you all. See you next week. Praise with the crystal Silence